Welcome back to the MR Running Pains podcast. This is episode number 82, my conversation with coach and professional runner and all-around good guy, Patrick Reagan. Um, I have really looked forward to this conversation, and man, we went through a lot here. Um, I, I'm really enjoying uh, just talking with people because I always learn so much. I hope you do. Um, sincerely hope you enjoy um, this time and listening to uh, what we have to say. Uh, if you have questions for either of us or comments, concerns, don't hesitate to, to reach out. Um, Patrick is very active, obviously, on social media. Um, I will link his um, website in the show notes, which will also have his contact. So, uh, And the same for mine uh, will be in the show notes. So thank you for being a part of this and listening. And here's my conversation with Patrick Reagan. I also was editing this podcast and just wanted to apologize. Apparently, as I was going through here, um, Patrick's recording kind of skips out a little bit. So my apologies for that. I'm not sure if that was a um, Wi-Fi issue because uh, <laughs> everything was fine during the recording um, as I watched the metrics. But apparently we... Uh, we had a little bit of, of issues, so my apologies for some, some dead space and uh, for uh, some of uh, Patrick's um, interview having some omissions, but um, hopefully you can take away a lot from it still. All right, I'm here with my buddy and coach, Mr. Patrick Regan. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, Aaron. Nice to see you again. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> we are both uh, a little groggy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pat just coming off of uh, a little bit of uh, illness, and uh, I've been doing my my typical get up at the wrong hour of the morning. <laughs> so, uh, or excuse us if we're a little groggy, but um, been looking forward to this conversation and catching up. Um, both of us have been all over the place, and it's nice to kind of just sit down and chat, man. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, both of us get up at the wrong hour of the morning. You really early, me a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seems to be the way of things but yeah we gotta do what we gotta do that's right man that's right um man, so we uh we had a number of things that we wanted to touch on today um not sure where you want to start but um you know I, we can start with what you've been up to um and kind of you know let it flow from there so uh, why don't you give us a, a handle on what you've been doing because you've been all over the map this year <laughs> yeah sure have um uh, it's it's been a strange year in terms of getting a late start after having a, a little injury in the winter that led me to not racing Carbon X, uh, feeling like I was getting super fit and running a hundred like nine weeks before Western, not particularly knowing if Western would happen. Um, going through some patches there that that I hadn't gone through in a hundred before, still getting like muscling a finish and feeling pretty good about it. Um, getting to Western, having a rough high country, <laughs> um, but still having a great day and, and being top 20. Um, but it, what was going on in the, the high country, you know, just, I mean, cause a million things can go wrong in the high country. Right. But what was going on up there for you? Yeah. I, I had trouble with elevation this year. I think it was, uh, I think it was several different things coming together all at once. Um, Based on blood work in the post, my ferritin was really low, uh, lower than it has been like during my time as a professional runner. Um, another aspect I think was 
uh, not being quite as fit as I was in 2019 for Western States or quite as prepared as I was um, for the the climbing in the high country in general. Uh, I wasn't as specific given that most of my build into Western this year was was more for jackpot, <laughs> um, for a really flat loop and just basically training out my door as opposed to a lot of climbing. So that made for a super interesting high country. Um, I almost felt as though once I got out of elevation that, that I had a really great run from forest hill to the finish. Um, even from right after devil's thumb to the finish, uh, that final 50 miles was, was great for me. Uh, but once you get you know, hours behind, it, it is what it is. As we all know, in hundreds, it's kind of a situation where you can only make up so much time, right? Um, so, so those were probably the two most interesting hundreds I've ever run right back to back. Um, they also, you know, on paper weren't, weren't my best in terms of the, the best times I've ever run in the hundred. So it, it was interesting to go through that all at once, like during a global pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> It set me up for kind of a July where, you know, I felt like I had to kind of like work on my mental health a lot of like, hey, you're, you know, you just had a couple of bad races. You weren't necessarily like, um, this isn't the runner you are. They were just 10% off each, you know? So, so that was, that was super interesting to work through, Aaron, um, as, as an athlete, um, especially as a professional athlete, um, going through a time like that. And are you being coached? Uh, this year only by myself so only by the okay. only by the madman sitting right in front of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fair so um when you're going through the you know this sort of thing um did you have you know people that you talk to maybe people that have kind of been through something similar or um what how did you deal with that yeah uh, Ian Sherman and I were talking a lot about you know jackpot and then you know we talked a lot um, in post to, from Western States. Cause he saw so much of my race pacing me from, from essentially bathroom the last 40 miles to the finish. Um, and, and we got to discuss how important like these two events were that they weren't just smooth sailing. Like pretty much every hundred I had up to this point was smooth sailing. Whereas we thought that the jackpot was probably the most important uh, experience I could have had in the build to Western States because it, it gave me the ability that if something went wrong at States, I could fight through it. Um, I could fight through those low patches and those tough times and, and push towards uh, still getting a, a finish. Right. Like, I mean, that's the whole right. thing with States is you respect the race. You like, you do your best to get, get the buckle as long as you're not going to, going to harm yourself. <laughs> right. Or, or injure yourself even further. Um, so in the build of States, we felt like that was what I had going for me. Um, I didn't really have a huge climbing block or a really specific Western States training block, but I think that that experience of a, a hundred where things weren't smooth sailing from gun to gun, um, like at USA's and I rallied and came back, I could use that skill if it happened at Western States. And given that it happened, um, I, I knew that the low patch I was having in the high country, if I just trudged on and I kind of muscled through it, that things could come back and, and they almost came back around to where I was, was M10. I was M11, but it, it, it was, it was almost a scenario where I worked myself from, I don't know, 25th male to, to potentially top, top 10 again. And, and that, that felt good, you know, in, in relative terms, uh, even though this year hasn't been 
probably my best year on paper. I think I think everyone would kind of look at the year and say, well, you know, you're more like probably a top top five to top eight Western States guy. You know, you you can run or have run in the past with Zach at say USA's. Even though I, I didn't achieve those things, I felt good about this year and for other reasons um, that I can still finish these things. Maybe not at my fittest, you know, and that that mm-hmm. I can that I can finish with solid results, not at my fittest. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, for those that haven't had a chance, um, Patrick did a, an episode on his own podcast, uh, Tortoise and Hare. Um, I'll have to look back at what episode it is, but I'll put that in the show notes. Um, about uh about his western states experience and he had his crew on there which um included um mike his his co-host um ian and was it um i'm sorry uh, uh megan Who's, actually yeah Me- megan came megan, I'm sorry. So. megan that's right um which was you know a great insight into everything um did you have a chance to kind of process states prior to the podcast or was that still like super fresh and that was like first time of uh, reflection. I had about three weeks between uh, states and the podcast. So I had a little time to, to process kind of how the day went, um, how I felt about the experience before we all sat down and chat. Um, and, and Mike had used that cast as kind of a guide to, to a newcomer to states, someone that was, you know, trying to get to know the course and and the checkpoints and kind of your different important waypoints where you could see your crew. So we talked from the, from both my perspective and the perspective of how uh, Ian and Megan saw the, the course evolving, um, saw the race evolving, saw me going through low patches and what we did to troubleshoot the, the tough times and the good times I was having on the course um, to just keep me moving efficiently. So I had a little time to process at that point. Um, since I haven't had a race since States, I feel like it's been nothing but processing. Now I'm finally getting the fire back to train. Uh, and that feels good. Like not thinking about the race anymore is, is a good thing. So. Yeah. Um, and you, you've had quick turnarounds in the past, like hundred miler to hundred mm-hmm. miler. Um, and, um, but this one, you know, you're, you're coming off injury, you go to, you know, a big race like jackpot and, and by big race, I mean, you know, you've got a, a deep field with fast mm-hmm. runners. Um, you, you know, you get through it, you fight through it. Um, and then you have a quick turnaround to States. What was, what was that like for your, your mental state? Were you, were you okay to, to train? Um, so after every hundred, uh, I use, you know, Pam Smith's method of taking 10 days off after, after your hundred, you know, a day mm-hmm. for every 10 miles. Right. And that's something that, that we try to do with your training too, Aaron now, right. Is <laughs> like, right. Let, let's make sure we <laughs> yeah. stay super patient, even though you recover incredibly well. Um, so if you look at it and we say we have eight weeks total, we lose 10 days off the, off the bat. Right. So we're looking at more like six and a half weeks. Okay. But now we're looking at more like four weeks including the taper, <laughs> right? So right. we have four weeks yep. to get in some specific work for Western States, which isn't your traditional build or your training block heading into it. Um, my theory was that, uh, you know, we could prioritize jackpot and, and get enough, you know, treadmill power hiking and enough really specific, specific stimulus in that four weeks to build into a really good Western States. Um, I had a couple good weeks, like, 
one good week leading into uh, a mini Western States training camp that Chris Brown and me did the week before the traditional States camp. So that was six weeks out from Mm -hmm. the race. And we covered about, you know, 90 X miles in six days on the course. It was great. But I, I remember coming back from that camp and having a really rocky, like four weeks of just super low volume and, um, not feeling necessarily physically where I wanted to be or, or mentally, you know, feeling like the fire was there for training. So, so those were a couple of the, the difficult, um, points in aftermath following Western States training camp where I maybe wanted to be at 75 or 80 miles, but I was running in reality more like 45 or 50 and not feeling like I was getting in the specific work. That was an interesting, um, turn of events because I thought, well, once I usually get through my first kind of 10 days following an event like jackpot, uh, and uh, I'm trying to pivot into say 200 milers in six weeks or two hundreds and eight, I, I thought, yeah, everything will, will roll smoothly into the next training block. I think the difficulty was that the events were so different and, uh, me and Zach bitter had talked before jackpot about like me trying this crazy double. <laughs> and he said, well, you've done it in the past with events like Havelina and Brazos, but I'd be hesitant because the events are so different. And I agree now (laughs) that the events are so incredibly different. It's super hard to prepare for, for two events like that. Now for, for Mm -hmm. a runner that's interested, you know, in running at a high level and preparing for something like jackpot and Rocky raccoon or jackpot in Umstead, right? It like, those are super feasible. Because there's, say, an eight-week spread between maybe Jackpot and Umstead, but the events are quite similar in terms of it's a reasonable amount of gain at Umstead. Um, really runnable terrain for the most part. Um, surface is similar, you know, I- at least in sections. Even if you have a little single track, it's a lot of that wider dirt road type running. You can, you can simulate in the block leading into an event like jackpot, if you're training for Umstead, a little bit of vert and, and then concentrate on a little bit more vert following jackpot. Whereas if you're training for something like jackpot on your way into Western States, I, I'm not sure I'd recommend an eight week spread. They're, they're just so incredibly different. You could pull it off if it was jackpot right. and Havelina or jackpot and Brazos. Um, but I, I think the events are, are just a little too different unless you had a really long buildup where you did a good portion of the, the elevation gain and loss before uh, you get to an event that's that flat. Right on. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's tough to imagine, you know, for, for a lot of people having kind of a a mental slump, you know, going into Western Um, (laughs) the uh, what was uh, you know, what, what kind of helps you, to, you know, to, to keep going, what, what mental strategies did you use to kind of get the, the work in and, you know, and, and was it, um, did you put the pressures on yourself? Were there any outside pressures? Cause you have a lot of different, you know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, people that, <laughs> that watch you obviously. So you've got like a, you know, obviously a great social media presence. So people are watching you there. You've got sponsors and you've got your own, you know, motivations and, you know, how did you kind of cope with all of that? And, and, and deal with it and keep moving forward. I, I think I've been pretty bad at putting uh, an amount of pressure on me that say my sponsors or 
um, you know, friends or, or loved ones don't put on me. But I, I try to hold myself to a really high standard, and and I think it it bit me in the butt a little bit this year, right? Um, I, I'm trying to get better at managing that. Whereas I chose my sponsors for a really specific reason, and stuck with the sponsors I have for a really specific reason because they supported me for five, six, seven years now through like crazy injuries, um, through really great races, through times like now where you, you know, in all honesty, my my managers have been like, Patrick, if, if you need to take six months of just training and, and not racing and just come out to s- events and pace and support, that's great. That's why I chose like the sponsors I have. Right. So most of the pressure doesn't necessarily come from sponsors by any means. If it became a pattern for years and, and they saw that, you know, my running was, yeah. was going awry for years, it would be different. But I think I, Personally, I think too much about that, <laughs> right? Like I, I think too much about, oh, well, that was two like races I'm, I'm proud of, but that aren't up to my standard in a row. And I think that gets in my head a little bit as a runner. And I think many of us, many of us have that, right? Where you're used to a certain standard of racing and you have maybe two or three bad ones in a row um, or ones that aren't up to your standard. And you maybe put undue pressure on yourself heading into the next one. I think a good thing to do as an athlete in general is when you feel that undue pressure, whether it's an external source, like, like your boss or, or whatever, um, pushing you to, to focus on the process. Right. And, and for me, I think, uh, this year I maybe lost sight of that a little bit of just focusing on the process of, okay, I had an injury in January. If I would have just come back with, with a clean slate and not been in such a rush to prepare for a couple key events, I think I'd have been in a much better state in the aftermath of Western States, right? Whereas no one was expecting me to come back super fast from, from an injury other than myself. <laughs> you know, all, all the pressure I'd say I put mm-hmm. that was on me this year was, was internal pressure. So as an athlete, I'm trying to get better at managing that. And I would suggest that to others too, that if you have something that's holding you back, whether it's an injury or a lack of motivation, instead of just signing up for a race immediately and saying, okay, that's eight or nine weeks away. The, the better thing to do is probably to just start to think about the training process again. If you have a coach sit down and say, Hey coach, you're like, how many, how many weeks do you think we need to, uh, based on where I'm at to, to put me in a good position to, to line up for a race again. And that can be a mental, from a mental standpoint, that could be from a physical standpoint. Um, and I think that I, I maybe had given myself too tight of a timetable heading into, heading into something like jackpot, whereas I was really excited and the training ball was rolling in the right direction again, but it was a bit of a rush, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that happens. Sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think to, I think to you coming off of old dominion this year, Aaron, and I think, wow, we got this cool opportunity yeah. to run hard rock, right? How could we turn it down? And we could draw parallels there between, between USA's for me in April and Western States. How could I turn down right. running Western States? Even if I was not feeling uh, quite myself, I knew right. that it would be a really valuable yeah. experience for me. Right. And you knew it would be a valuable experience for you, even if it took you 47 hours and 30 minutes, Absolutely. right? 
that that would have maybe been <laughs> yep. even well not cooler because it would have been a lot more time for you out there and, and it wouldn't have been up to your standard <laughs> but you remember those experiences the most right the ones where it doesn't go incredibly yep. well in the long term but right. i think in the short term the hard thing for us as athletes aaron is remembering okay that's not up to my standard that's not exactly the athlete that i am but hmm. <laughs> hey oi <That's> oi hi oi <laughs> cute <laughs> yeah well no worries well, we're, hey, we're, we're welcome, welcome to the podcast, to podcast too. could you be quiet that'd be nice <laughs> But the important thing is for us to remind ourselves that that's not the athlete we are. That's the experience we had on the day, right? It's it's easier for us to right. talk about that kind of thing as coaches rather than to give ourselves self-talk though, right? It, it's much more different. Um, okay. I, I think it's it's easier for me to tell an athlete, well, hey, like I understand your goal was 23.30. You wanted to really break 24 hours. I, I know it took you 29 but look, you'll remember that experience. And when, when you have an external source telling you that great, but when you're in just your own mind and you're thinking about that experience and it's not up to your standard, it's a little more difficult. Um, especially if in a way, uh, and we talked about this prior to the episode, it's like, what are these pressures as a professional athlete? Well, you think about things like, ah, you know, I ran 1554 at Western States in 2019, I ran 1930 this year, you know, it's hard to disconnect from that a bit. There's part of me that it's hard to disconnect from that. Mm -hmm. There's also part of me that says, Hey, quit your pissing and moaning. People have been entering Western States for eight years and and don't get pulled in the lottery, like trudge on and get yourself a silver buckle. I don't care if it's 1930 or I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. care if it's 2345. I, I told myself that prior to the race for sure. I mean, I even, had sat Good. with Lewis Escobar on his podcast, Road Dog. And uh, I said, if it takes me 26 hours, it takes me 26 hours. I mean, that'll be a different experience. I don't have a yeah. bronze buckle yet, you know? Yeah. So I think that if you can, and if you're not so banged up and injured um, that you can't finish, no matter if you're an elite runner, you know, you're, you're mid-pack and you're, you're disappointing yourself in terms of your goals, try to finish the damn thing. That's that's key to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, it's, I agree. And you know, the, I think the other piece of it too, you know, is is when we talk about social media um, and and being vulnerable. You know, a lot of times we paint such a, a rosy picture on on social media. You know that you know everything's sure peaches and cream. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I mean, you know. Uh, I was honest on social media about, uh, um, about, um, oh, why am I mm-hmm. having a, um, <laughs> uh, about, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Old Dominion. Yeah. Uh, Old Dominion. <laughs> uh, yeah it was, I, I don't know why I couldn't get that out of my head. Um, but you know, I, I just said that this, you know, things happen beyond my control. Um, I even had people reach out to me that, that said, I didn't understand what you were talking about having a panic attack and not being able to until I've experienced something similar. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's when we talk about our, 
not necessarily our failures, but, you know, lack of success um, in, in events, in training, in, and, and kind of let people see it doesn't always go according to plan. You know, um, it, you know, it happens to all of us. You know, I think, I think that's a better thing and a more teachable moment than, you know, when we post up, you know, about the good things that happened, you know? Um, so, I mean, you know, if you, um, uh, yeah, I, I see you very active out, you know, with your posts on Instagram and, and, um, and Facebook and, and sharing your experiences. And I think those can be valuable lessons as well. Um, and you do, you put, you know, things in there that, you know, are working for you and, and stuff like that. So I, you know, I certainly appreciate Thanks. your, your social media presence, um, and that you're, you're open about things on, on Strava as well. Um, cause a lot of, you know, athletes hide those things, um, or don't share their training. Um, and, but you're very open about it and, you know, and you're open to conversations. So, um, uh, in that way, I think you're, you're very relatable and, 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 uh, and also obviously a wealth of knowledge. So, well, thanks. Uh, yeah. You know, thank you for Aaron, those are important that. teaching moments to me. And as someone that's an athlete and a coach and lately I've been feeling more like a coach, <laughs> you know, given that I haven't, I haven't felt my best this year. Um, it's kind of important to me to show people that like, Hey, I put all my training on Strava and you saw me average 15 miles a week for the six weeks after Western States. Cause I'm human too, you know? Like everything you see on there is everything I yeah, do basically at all times, you know, here or there, I won't, I won't put a, a mobility routine or something up, but it's important to show athletes and, you know, other athletes in the sport that, that I'm human and it doesn't take necessarily a perfect, beautiful training block of a hundred plus miles a week to nail a hundred. Um, some of my, some of my best hundreds mm-hmm. have, have come off the back of barely averaging 75 miles a week between big hundred doubles. Right. Um, you know, I, I think back mm-hmm. to how much I surprised myself, for example, at say Brazos Bender and where really that year after Western States, I'd, I'd done two quality sessions heading into Havelina. I did no quality sessions between Havelina and Brazos Bend, you know, faster, more leg speed type work. Um, I did a few weeks above a hundred miles a week in that entire like five month training block, but I nailed two hundreds. How does that happen? Well, I think part of it is, is your mentors and, and where, um, where you're coming from in terms of your huge aerobic base heading into a, a training block like that. Um, but I think you can also show others that it doesn't have to be a hundred miles a week to 150 miles a week, like some pros all the time to nail a hundred. It's, right. it's not absolutely necessary. I, I think it, I think it goes back to like hundreds are like 80% mental and 20% physical. And if you have a good solid fitness base and you, you're, you've practiced, you're really good at metabolizing calories. You have a really good plan for, for keeping the core temperature low all day. You can nail a hundred. Um, you know, I, I, I coach athletes that are not able to, crest 45 miles a week but nail hundreds (laughs) how is it possible well it it comes down to a deep desire to want to do it you know like like you need a solid fitness base to run these things at a high level but i think more importantly if we look to mentors and people in our sport that have had a lot of longevity if we look at carl Meltzer, hardly ever runs over 60 miles a week right Mm -hmm. but does what he does at the 100 mile distance he's been that way his whole career um if we look at Ian Sharman or Jeff Browning, they rarely do a hundred mile week, right? Um, 
if we look at, you know, Pam Smith or, or Megan Canfield, they, they put in their big weeks, right? But they also can nail hundreds running off of 70 to 75 miles a week at a very high level, right? So I think it's important to educate mm-hmm. runners in our community, um, r- ultra runners that are new newer to it, that you don't have to do more <laughs> than what you did when you were a marathoner or, or a high-level collegiate athlete or whatever background right. you're coming from. Um, it, it's so much more about different types of specificity practicing things like, Hey, like, like we do on long runs, Aaron, right? How much, how much do we talk about nutrition specifically on wrong long runs and the importance of practicing that? Right. That's far more yep. important than I uh, ran a 42 mile long run instead of a, of a 28. Yeah. Right. Yes. Cause it's, it's the whole block, you know, looking at the big picture. Um, and when, experienced runners come to me for coaching and I look at like what they've done and the results and, you know, how they felt or how it went. Uh, you know, I say, well, like, you know, you did a lot and you, you may not need all of this. And when we pull back and they feel good and they, you know, they, they, they're surprised by the result because we took away so much volume, but at the same time, you know, we've made them feel better overall and we've been consistent over, you know, many weeks that's the reality is the consistency over time and having that aerobic capacity, you know, to, to complete it. And it's the same thing with, you know, a new to ultra running, uh, you know, their first hundred mile, they see these, you know, cookie cutter plans. And I mean, you know, when they show me what they were going to do, (laughs) I'm like, I I don't know if you'd make it to the line. (laughs) Like, yeah, I can't see, you know, doing that much. And that's, um, you know, my, my episode that came out, um, actually last week or, um, when this comes out, it would be last week's episode. Um, it's, uh, I talked about that. It's just, you know, that you are an experiment of one, um, and we have to find what works for you. How much volume can your body tolerate without being too fatigued? And, you know, as you said, we have to put in all of the right things, you know, we have to add specificity for the event. We have to train the gut, you know, but it's, it's finding what works for you because what worked Mm -hmm. for somebody, just because you read about what, you know, any of the pros did, that may not be what works for you. Your gut is completely different. Your body is completely different and how Mm -hmm. it will take on those adaptations or what we have to figure out. So just following a cookie cutter plan may not be the best option. And, you know, there's plans out there that, you know, obviously can work for people, but you know, it's one one of the things specifically you said is consistency over time. Um, And and that's the most important part. Um, For me, that's personally what's been, what's been lacking for me um, this year is consistency over time. You know, you get get in four good weeks, uh, something comes up, right? Get in three good weeks, uh, something comes up. And I think that the, the more consistent you are over time, whether it's your quote unquote usual workload and your usual volume or not, you're finding ways to adapt and become stronger at, at what you're able, what your current body, what, what your, your current, uh, time allotment for training is allowing you to get in. So it's not even necessarily, I'm trying to mimic training blocks I've done in the past. It's that this is the time I currently have to train and I'm trying to use it as efficiently as possible and get the most out of it. This um, a great advisor I had years ago. It always said, okay, Patrick, like I'm looking at your training and you're, you're running 110 miles a week and you work 60 hours a week. To me, that's like running 170 miles a week. I, I count every hour of work as, as an extra mile in terms of stress. It's probably a little too much. Let's back it off a bit, you know? And it's those kind of moments where those are, those are teaching moments. And you think about those things 
So now when I'm, when I'm, you know, working with working professionals, I'm like, Hey, look, you, you work 60 hours a week and we cover 60 miles a week. That's, that's kind of like a pro kicking, kicking their feet up and running 120 miles a week. You know, we, we've got to be careful with that. So it's, it's important to recognize where you're coming from as an athlete in terms of other demands on your life. Like you want to get in enough training, but you would rather it be consistent for many weeks and make it to the starting line than overdo it for three or four deal with injury in the three weeks approaching the race and feeling like you're rolling the dice on race day of whether you can even start the race or not. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, and it comes down to realizing what the body's capable of doing, you know, with all of that stress in there, you, some people worry about how much time they get or how many miles they get in the long run. But the reality is if you get to your Saturday or Sunday long run and, you know, the body's just not willing to, to go that distance, you need to be okay with just cutting it back and saying like, this is what I had today. And, you know, cause that's what the body can give beyond that. You're creating too much fatigue that, you know, we're going to have to recover from and lose training time from. So we have to be careful on that and the things and keep the balance, you know, between how much fatigue we're creating and how much training stimulus we're providing. So, um, yeah. Um, so thank you for, for all those pointers. That's well, a, it's that's collective too. It's from both for both of us, right? We're, we're bouncing <laughs> these ideas well. as coaches, as athletes off each other. I mean, between us, how many years of running experience do we have? And we both love sharing that experience. You know, that's a, that's an important part of it for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I had a, an interesting conversation here and, you know, you know, I'd love to, to hear your perspective because I have, um, a gentleman that's, he's, um, he's an older runner, um, has experienced a tremendous amount and his, uh, his worry is that, you know, if he doesn't have, um, a goal or a box to check, mm-hmm. he's just going to quit you know, and, and kind of call it because he, and, and like I said, you know, it's, he's done tons and he has, you know, he has a goal. It's, it's out there, which is good. You know, we're moving forward, but, um, do we sometimes rely too heavily upon goals to make us get out there? You know, do, is there something to be said that like, we need to make sure there's, there's joy and enjoyment uh, because like he said, if he doesn't have this goal, he feels like he's just going to quit. So are we doing it for the right reasons? Which, what's your, I think I've always there? trained a little more effectively when there's uh, some sort of goal on the horizon in terms of a race. And it's difficult when it's mm-hmm. difficult to get in the regular training for me personally, when th- there's not some sort of goal in terms of a race. Um, I think we all had experienced mm-hmm. that a little bit in 2020 um, and still certain parts of the world right now are experiencing that with, with many race cancellations due to the global pandemic. Um, maybe that's the best answer for us is it's difficult to, to keep training um, for some when, when there's not a race on the horizon. I know that for me, it's always helped to have something, even if it's like five or six months away, say like, well, it's time to become very consistent now because you, you do have that, that goal five months away. Um, that's more of my situation right now where I'm signed up for a couple of races for the remainder of the year, like tunnel Hill, for example, it's man, I've been wanting to run Steve Durbin's race for, for a long time. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be in the best physical state to do so, or if it makes sense for this year, but 
I do have, okay, a, a race in February. That personally helps me a lot, um, much like the gentleman you're talking about, to have something on the horizon. But even when I don't have something coming up, and I, and I know it's coming up, I think that I hit a point where I just get in a regular pattern of training anyway, because I really like being active, you know, um, the rewards of having a good body composition, um, the rewards of the endorphins just being in your system. I I hit that point in 2020 where I was taking a little time off of training once I knew Western States wasn't, wasn't going to happen just, just a couple weeks down. And then even though I I didn't know if there was going to be a race in the fall for me. I just got training and I got really excited about it. And I got super excited about going out my door every day and running again, running at a high volume. And by the time I knew a race was happening, like, whoa, Jason Green's going to let me in to, to Yeti hundred. Awesome. Cause I'm really fit. <laughs> I haven't been training for anything, but, but I got into this race. It looks like it's going to happen and I'm really fit. So knowing that a race was going to happen, um, was was great and it's a bit of it was a bit of a spark for me but when all races got taken off the docket like we thought nothing was going to happen in 2020 i think that i had um got back to a point where i was just training for the joy of going out and running again when there's a lot of race options um the external pressure feels it it depends on how you process it like is the is the race a reward for the hard training you're putting in or is the race the reason why you're training? So I would love to see more of us get back to the ra- the race is the reward for for all the all the time and energy you put into the training. I think that it's a more effective way to get to race day and just have a clear mind and and say, well, whatever happens today doesn't so much matter. I'm going to be training anyway. <laughs> I'm going to be physically active anyway. I, I think that's a healthier way to yeah. to approach it because then even if the racing was removed, it would be like, well, I'm studying, but there's no test, right? It'd be like, <laughs> and and how many people in history became really good at a craft, even though there wasn't a test, they just kept going to the library. They kept experimenting in a workshop. They they kept working their craft like carpenters, plumbers, painters, whatever, right? And, and you become world-class at something without there actually being a quote-unquote test, you know? Um, I think it makes you more of a tradesman, <laughs> right? Like, well, what do you do? Well, I run. Well, like, do you race or are you a professional runner? No, I, no, I just run. Like, I mean, there are a lot of people out there like that. Um, and I think if if we begin to shift the focus just collectively, all runners towards um, just wanting to get out there every day and, and being at peace, whether it was in the mountains or, or doing your road running. And every once in a while you signed up for a race, you, you'd probably do a lot better at the races because the pressure wouldn't be quite as extreme. Right. And, um, you know, I think the other piece of it, and, you know, this often comes up and it's, it's a topic that's heavily discussed is the, the reason, the why, right? Like when you're, you're signed up for this, this goal event. And, you know, in, in this runner's case, um, he had just attempted Leadville. Um, and, um, he got to, um, uh, the climb up hope pass and realized that he wasn't going to make the cutoff. And, you know, at that point just kind of shut it down. It's like, I just didn't care, you know, like it didn't, didn't really have any fight in him, you know, and it was 
we talked about, you know, well, what was the, what was the reason, you know, that you were, what were you doing this race for? Like, you know, what was your, your reasoning to, to, to get to the finish? And I think when he kind of had time to process it a little bit more, he decided that it was just because he had a, he had a DNF there previously and wanted to, to finish the race. But like, there was no, um, no love for the course, the event, you know, anything involved within the event, there wasn't any emotional attachment. It was more just to tick off a box that completed the course. And when it came down to it, that wasn't strong enough, you know, to really drive him. And I mean, it, you know, the, the cutoffs, I mean, yeah. it, the race wasn't really set up for success this year. Right. The, you're, you're limited to two people. I think it was right for, you know, they said, you know, try to keep it at two sure. true people. And then they made the cutoffs harder. Um, you know, so it's, it's like, they're making it, they're making it very difficult for, for anyone, you know, cause I mean, let's take away the, the altitude, right? That race yeah, is the vert's reasonable. hard if it wasn't, lot, altitude, and, uh, yeah, right? I was like, there it's, pacing. It, I mean, it's it, the terrain is right. reasonable. There's not much technicality. You know, right. But, you, and mm-hmm. you know, because of what it is, it brings in a lot of first time hundred runners. But we're, we're not creating an environment of success for those, you know, those, those beginner runners because of, you know, of what were, what, what just transpired, what they did, you know, mm-hmm. like having two crew members and then, you know, making cutoffs harder, you know, it's, it's not set up for, um, yeah. you know, the beginner type or, you know, in, in the case well, the of this, cutoff this you're gentleman talking about too, in this prior case, to hope you know, pass, so, right? Like um, the, the I, cutoff at outward bound, um, where you're getting ready to head mm-hmm. up hope pass is 26 right. hour pace and, and that's difficult you you have to go out really hard there to to actually finish the race if right. you're a if you're a person that's like uh 29 hours would be hauling for me yeah. you have to go out three hours faster than your goal pace through through outward bound right right which that's you know nothing that i would right. ever recommend to any of my runners to go out super hard beyond the, and i'm sorry the that, that the beginning of 100 miles there, so. twin lakes yeah and uh, so, you, know, you have to go through twin you know, lakes in, in a 26 hour pace outward bound probably even harder anyway yeah it's well thank you the uh but you know it it, it just um you know when we started looking at it i said you know he was asking me should i go back and then the conversation evolved to like, mm-hmm. is it because you just DNF'd or is there another reason? Like, you know, is, is that going to be enough for you to want to go back? Cause we just discussed everything that you and I just discussed is this race is not set up for you to succeed. Like we would have to get you in like, you know, smashing shape in order to get ahead of those cutoffs. Like we could do it. We can train for that. But like, is that what you want? Like, is there, you know, is there any other reason? Do you love the course that much? And he's like, no. <laughs> and so, you know, like that's, and then that, that he kind of made the realization. I said, well, you know, we've got a new race director that's coming in. Let's see what changes she makes. Um, if they change the cutoffs and all of that and see if they make it more of a, you know, an option for, you know, for runners such as yourselves and new runners to have more success at this event. Because right now, like I, I just, you know, I, I think it would be, you know, awful because, you know, altitude yeah. does come into play, right? Like it's, it's an X factor, 
So we've got these X factors. And so, you know, when we started talking about that and he started realizing his why really wasn't there for that type of, um, you know, for this event that, you know, he could go and complete another hundred and probably enjoy it a whole heck of a lot more and find a more beautiful course. And, you know, the why started evolving. And so, um, you know, when we talk about why, and we're, we're actually as, as you know, my, my collective group, we're, we're doing our book of the month is um, start with why um, it's, it, you know, a book about talking about how do we create these whys. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times we go into an event just because it is that event, right? It is Western. Which is States, not easy. Right? Like we've <laughs> made it in, we've made that, you know, we're in that pool, but right. Exactly. It's not easy. And, you know, but, like you said, do we have that appreciation for the fact that we're in, you know, like, yeah. I mean, for me, it was hard rock. Like I had the appreciation that I was in and was going to do whatever I could to get to that finish line just because of my gratitude for being in that event. And that was enough for me, you know, is, is folks gratitude for the, the opportunity, is it enough? And that's where I come in with, you know, my gratitude for being able to run is enough that I don't need a race. You know, 2020, I was okay. Right. I mean, I, I got to race, which was great, but like, I just go, I love going out for a run, you know, send me out on a long run. I love it. You know, like I, that's, that's peace for me. That's like, I love the simple act mm -hmm. of running. And I think sometimes people just look past that, you know, that it's, you know, I'm, I got to train for this event. Right. And without that, like, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have a why. Whereas if we step back and take a look at the act of running itself and have a piece of gratitude for that simple act, running becomes so much more like we get to enjoy the aspects of it, the, you know, just being able to be out going for a run with a friend or going out into, you know, trails or, you know, whatever it may be, wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever you enjoy running, you know, be just that simple act of saying, this is, this is wonderful in and of itself. I'm appreciative of that, you know, cause there's a lot of things out there right now that, you know, there's so many negatives. I find that I find peace by <laughs> just being able to go out for a run. My son Keegan was like, why do you like running so much? And that was a great question. Like it, it took me back. I was like, why yeah. do I love running? And, you know, I told him, I said, it just gives me joy. Like I just love going for a run. I love the solitude sometimes. I love the peace of mind I can find. I can join a friend and we can just have a great conversation. You know, there's sure. so many aspects of running that, you know, I think we take for granted sometimes. And, you know, when we take a step back and reflect on, well, why do I actually like running? I think that's a great question that folks should ask Absolutely. Know, themselves because, then that can evolve into your why. Yeah. And you know, when you get to an event, it becomes simpler and clearer. You have a, you know, a, a more stated purpose. And I think if, um, if you're in maybe a little bit of a event. negative patch with like, so, um, you're, you're signing up for events over and over again. And, and the pressure is getting to you of like, you know, I've, I've got to train, I've got to perform for this thing. Maybe, maybe take a little patch where you just go and pace friends at events. Right. Um, or if you're, if you're hitting hair, your head against the wall, like I can't get a hundred mile finish go and pace a good friend of yours that's experienced at a hundred miles for the last 40 miles of their race sometime and see the things they go through. It's super rewarding, man. You know, like going and pacing and going and doing other things in the running community. Yeah. Um, yeah. that that's super rewarding. And, and that gets you a little bit back to your why. I, I think it's a good way to reset 
I mean, the, this trip to Leadville was great for me. I got to support a good friend of mine that came all the way to Western States and supported me. Um, I got to pace him for 25 miles and it wasn't, they, they weren't 25 of his best miles ever on the Leadville course. Um, in relative terms, like, right. Like Ian's won Leadville four times. Um, and, and he had a solid race, but I saw him go through some low patches. I'm like, wow, I, I didn't think Ian went through patches like this. You know, it was really interesting and really cool to, to see him fight through those tough times in the race and still trudge on to a, a finish time that, that wins a lot of years, you know, um, he had some great patches and he had some bad patches, but to see a guy as consistent and good as Ian um, fight through those things, troubleshoot, get himself to the finish line, you can learn a ton from experiences like that as a runner. And I think it gets you back to the why. It's like, well, I'm, ju- I'm just out here supporting a friend in this activity and we happen to be running and, and we're we're going through the woods together and how enjoyable is that? Like that, that's something you'll, you'll always remember. So if you're struggling a little bit with the why of running and, and you're just rushing from race to race, go pace for a little while, <laughs> you know, like, like, go, yeah, go volunteer in an event, go pace, like go, um, yeah. go support go a brand, you, event, um, you know, like you, uh, you know, r- yeah. really think highly of, you know, like, Hey, goo's always looking for volunteers. You want to go to an event that goo's sponsoring. They'd love to meet you and have you there. And you could help them work an aid station or, or help them work an expo. Right. So there, there's things that, that you can do as a runner that are more than just racing. And I think that gives you more substance in terms of, um, going to an event when it's your time to perform. Um, you know, you feel like more people are behind you, you know, you're putting time into, to the community as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I agree with you there. I also agree more that, you know, the, the act of running is really the bottom line on why I do it. Right. The way I feel after a run, I'm, I'm a more positive person. I like the endorphins that are in my system. Um, I feel like a clearer mind, a clearer headspace. I feel like I can attack the tasks of the day. Um, I'm not much of a morning runner or, or my days would probably go a lot more smoothly. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I got my run in. It's like 4 PM now, oh, man. I, I feel like I could, <laughs> I could hammer the rest of the night and like, oh, I'm probably going to go to bed in five or six hours. Bummer. <laughs> you know? Um, so, so I, I am a little envious of morning runners that get up and, and get it done and, and then have, have those feelings all day, you know? Um, so, if you're looking for, for a reason to go run, mm-hmm. it's, Absolutely. it's going to make your day a lot better, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a, a great place to transition to kind of things we're looking forward to, um, you know, both this year and, and in the coming year. And, and by those, it can be, you know, products, it can be, um, events, it could be, um, you know, just some, you know, some weekend experiences with some friends. Um, well, what are some things that you're looking for within to? the next year, including this year? Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back out to Havelina. I'm going to go out there and support a bunch of runners that, that are, uh, that are racing in, in my collective group, much like yours, Aaron. Um, we've got geez, eight, eight people competing this year. 
uh, a couple ladies that that are uh, super fit, a couple guys that are super fit, um, <laughs> that are ready to to push their limitations on the course. Um, you know, Nicole Manette, my uh, my assistant, and uh, you know the person that that's coaching with me in my program. Um, she's really had a, a great couple years of ultra running, and and she's looking forward to doing her her second hundred. Um, Lottie Zeiler is kind of a newer one um, on the scene, and and she ran her first hundred K at Rocky raccoon in about eight forty seven. So we're really excited, um, for, for her to take a go at the hundred mile distance. Um, but it's going to be just like, you know, Havelina in particular is an event where I get to meet up with a bunch of friends. It's my fifth year in a row at the event, you know, three years running, and this will be my second year pacing. Um, I'm either going to be pacing my, my good friend, Eric Sensman if he runs, um, or, uh, Nicole, depending on which one of them run, I, I've got to return the favor for Eric because he's he's brought me around the loop three times. Um, but I'm I'm just looking forward to getting out there and like supporting the brands I run for both Hoka and Goo, um, and my and the athletes that I coach. It's it's going to be really fun, and, and I love pacing. I mean, you know, second to running hundreds, it's my favorite thing to do. Definitely, I definitely like pacing more than I like running 50ks, for example. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm looking forward to getting back to Havelina. Um, maybe turning the corner for tunnel hill this year it, it would be a cool event to run um within the next year you know to kind of continue down the path of events that i'm excited to go to uh for next year i'm planning to do jackpot again in february and then the latter of the year i'm going to run my first spartathlon as long as i make t- team usa so that's my big goal for next year is you know go back to jackpot um i love the course i love the event cool. ken and again and his wife are you know the race directors are awesome um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's 85 laps for a hundred miles on a flat loop. And that's definitely my style. So I'm, I'm excited to get on a loop like that. I, I don't think many, when I tell people that I don't <laughs> think many people, um, relate to that or are excited as well, but I, I am super stoked to be back on that okay. loop and kind of test my limitations there with, with a really, uh, yeah, well, I'm really fit. And uh, running Spartathlon in the fall is going to be really interesting. I mean, it's it's point to point from Athens to Sparta. It's 154 miles, so it's the furthest I've ever gone, and it's it's a lot of road running. So I'm excited. I'm excited for yeah those opportunities in the next year in terms of racing. Mm-hmm. I, I think those are going to be really fun. Um, I can't see myself, you know, not going back to events like Havelina and Western next year. I'm not entered in Western states. I'm likely to not have a spot, uh, but. I, I see myself pacing there next year, you know, like, like if Kaylee or Nicole happen to get a golden ticket, uh, you know, I, I'd love to pace one of them next year. Um, I, I see myself being back at Western States in some capacity and definitely pacing Havelina next year too. Uh, or, or if I'm wrecked from Spartathlon, you know, maybe just, uh, going out and spectating Havelina. So. <laughs> cool. Very cool. That's great. Yeah. I think, um, I think the most thing, the one big thing that I've obviously I'm looking forward to is held under, um, getting that race back and getting it going again. Um, yeah, I've kind of been in the trenches here trying to get things up and going, uh, which has been really difficult with everything the forest service is going through right now, especially with all of the, the, uh, weather that has, uh, affected our area and the trail closures. Um, so it's been really tough to communicate, uh, consistently with them and, you know, by no means sure. do I fault them. Uh, they have been 
extremely busy and, and taxed by what's going on. So, um, you know, at, at the same token, um, I, I've kind of, um, tried to get it, you know, back out there and, and help with, uh, trail maintenance. Um, so, you know, that's, that's always something that's kind of close to my heart. Uh, right now it's a lot of it is, um, just kind of, uh, going out and seeing the trails and kind of reporting back to what we find, um, you know, with the, this new mm. storm that just came through, um, they try to limit who goes in and how often, uh, you know, just because of the, the dangers that could be present. Um, so it's been kind of an on and off again. So, um, but, uh, and I also have a good friend that went up and, and managed my section of the mountains to see, so I, I need to return the favor, <laughs> um, <laughs> and get out there and, and do some work with him. Um, but, um, you know, it's going to take a lot on the hellbender side of things, um, to make sure those trails stay in good condition. Um, so, um, a lot of work to do, but I'm really looking forward to, to bringing that back and, and, and getting it on its feet and rolling again. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people are excited by it and you know, I can't wait to, to have the, the family back, um, you know, and, and see, <laughs> see everybody again, it, you know, it's, it's, For sure. you know, just like it's your baby. a I lot mean, of the is, events, this is your hundred, right? Been, like you, you know, too long creator here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an emotional pre-race meeting. <laughs> that's for sure. And I'll be excited when I get to say go. So, um, that's, that's the big thing that I really look forward to next year. Um, for my athletes, uh, just like you, I've got a ton that are doing Yeti here in, uh, what is it? Two weeks, uh, uh or three weeks time that, you know, it's, it's coming up quick, but there's a ton of them that are doing it. Um, so I, I really look forward to, to their, their experiences and seeing how they do. Um, because I was, so many of them have trained so hard for this and, you know, it's, it's really cool event. So I, I think Jason does a, a wonderful job and it's totally. a great first timer and a lot of them are first timers. So I, I know, I hope they, they find their finish lines. Um, and then personally, um, I look forward to the, the lotteries, yeah. um, you know, I, I, two big ones, obviously are Western and then uh Bigfoot 200, um, whichever, if, and if I don't get into either, <laughs> then we, you know, we take that next step. But, um, I certainly look forward to those. Those are, you know, a big anticipation for, for those. Um, and then just kind of watching, um, you know, the kids go, uh, um, Amberin will be running next year. So she, she gets into her first year of cross country next year. And Keegan started his high school season this year and, um, he's got a big race this weekend. So kind of fun to watch them and see this, this next generation coming up and, and what they're doing. Um, as well as coaching these, these young kids, you know, doing the middle school coaching has been really inspiring and, and joyful. Like I, I really, um, you know, I, I, I wondered how coaching that age group would, you know, would be, and it's, it's been nothing but, um, joyful and, you know, it, it makes me feel younger. <laughs> so I really enjoy that aspect as well. So, um, yeah, tw 2022, obviously we don't know what's going to go on, but, um, you know, yeah, I can't wait like to we have uh, some, see some in December. To look forward to, um, and I hope that's the reality. And with the so. Bigfoot Lottery, you know, which events yeah. are slated for you for next year? I mean, that's that's gonna that's gonna give us a better scope of hey, what are we? What the heck are we training for for next year? I mean, like we discussed, like you're gonna be training regardless, but what are we training for? Is it gonna be your first <laughs> Western States? And, and and I know that. Well, hey, uh, right. you, you may you may have a pacer there from from Forest Hill to the river, right? Or or somebody to pick you up at Bath Road. Um, maybe me and Morgan could could share some duties for you next year too. I mean, that that would be incredible, you know, to share that experience together. Um, That's right. I should have mentioned Yeti too. I mean, I think Jason puts on a spectacular race. I've got I've got some runners running there as well. Um, 
almost lapsed with how close it is, but it, it's going to be super exciting to see how the race goes down mm-hmm. this year. I think yeah. they have a, they have a great field and I'm sure a lot of people are just looking forward to, you know, to get yeah. trying to get that cool 24 hour buckle at Yeti. It, it's a pretty awesome one with the, with the rainbow, you know, and, um, and Jason's like so welcoming, you know, like he has such a good community <laughs> up there. We, we chatted the other day and, yeah. and I know he's excited that, that it's going to fire off this year and feel mm-hmm. a little bit more, more normal. Um, so many people vaccinated and, you know, we're, we're in a good spot. Um, how do you feel about running your first 200? It's, it's something that more and more athletes seem like they're proposing to me. Like it's something I want to do. Right. Or like, like tiger, for example, like I've been coaching her for a couple of years and and she's had great success at two hundreds. Um, she finished Cocodona, you know, she, um, Bigfoot as well, you know, how, how do you feel about the 200 and why is it something that attracts (laughs) you? Right. Like, I I think, I think we're both attracted to these long events. Like Spartathlon is really long. Um, I've, I've looked at Moab for a couple of years and been like, at what point does it make sense to try to enter that? Right. Like you're, you're now talking about entering Bigfoot. What attracts you to something longer than a hundred? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing was just where it is, um, you know, that, that Pacific Northwest, um, I've never seen Mount St. Helens. I remember the news when it, it erupted, you know, and we lost half of Mount St. Helens. I remember that news clip. I remember where I was. I remember the TV. I remember, you know, just the, the, the awe that we were in. Um, and so, you know, going to see that area, um, it just, it's been kind of a, um, uh, a magnetic draw. Like I really want to experience that area. And I think, you know, races typically are my way of doing that. And what better way to experience it than doing something long like that. Now I've never like, I've, I'm, I've I can never say that I've really mastered the the hundred mile. I don't know if you ever do master a hundred miles, but um, it's always something that has created a challenge within me because, you know, I was always more on the speed side of things growing up. So, you know, these longer distances has always been a challenge to me and I've always loved facing challenges head on. And, you know, I think, um, while 200 miles is quite daunting, I think it's still, you know, it's, it's a journey and something that I I really look forward to, you know, seeing what, what, you know, 200 miles on foot feels like, um, not that I, I want to try to go out there and just crush my first one. I just want to go out there and experience what it's like to be, you know, going through those challenges, you know, having to figure out sleep and food and, you know, just managing my effort. So, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, one that I I'll, I'll take more seriously than I have anything previously, but one that I really will look forward to again, because of the location, um, you know, the, the folks involved, uh, you know, it's just, it's a cool community. Um, Candace has done a great job with that, you know, with those events and creating such a, a an amazing community and everybody it seems to be behind one another, yeah. you know, it's, it's, whereas like, you know, we get into a 50 K and it's like almost like a, a free for all <laughs> you move up in distance and it becomes more of a sure. community effort. Uh, you, you know, more of a collaborative rather than like, you know, an individual experience. So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that aspect of the hundred and I think yeah. it becomes it's even a very stronger particular type of person so that decides to, to sign know, up for a 200 mile race. And that one that says, well, well, the hundred is not quite enough for me, which 
you know, we, we must question our psychological well-being at that point, right? Like, uh, I mean, 100 miles on foot is a significant distance. Like, you know, Carl would say it's not that far. <laughs> and I would, I would say, yeah, it's not that far, right? Like, you normalize yeah. it. But the the 200 is a little different. It, it seems very difficult to normalize it. Folks that have like <laughs> Michael McKnight or Courtney, um, you know, I, I think about people that do a lot of them, people that do them all the time. There's a whole community. It it does seem like a different atmosphere. And, and even more so, like you said, about um, collectively, how many people can we get to the finish line here? You know, it's it's not about my individual goals necessarily. It's It's way more about experiencing this whole event because it's days and days and days (laughs) you know it's it's fascinating um i I think i think each of candace's races too are quite unique in that one is at altitude one is mount st helens one is around beautiful moab with with way far more runnable train and far less vert it's pretty fascinating to Mm -hmm. uh to see the the series that she's developed um, and and how much they attract the individual runners. There's also the unique aspect of the, the buckles she creates, right? That each is a little different. Um, she provides a really, a really cool experience and I'm excited for you to, to be able to, to experience that. Yeah. It's, you know, I think uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, it's just, you know, I, not necessarily the, the more miles, the merrier, but it's just, again, you know, uh, it's the chance to run and to experience new places and, and meet new folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lot of times why we do, you know, races, we get to experience new trails, we get to experience, um, new friends, you know, and, and, uh, and, and collect memories, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> So as you know, I just look forward to, to getting cozy with my poles and, uh, <laughs> and, and experiencing a new distance. Um, and that's, I, you know, I think that's what running has always been for me is just, um, you know, experiencing new distances and experiencing new places. Um, it's taken me some great, great places. You know, I like Amber and my daughter was asking yes. me the other day, like, when are we going getting back it. to TMD? <laughs> and, uh, it, it just made me smile. Um, you know, I mean, what, what, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, there are, there's just so many unique experiences out there and it's, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I both admire and also question those that do the same event year after year, <laughs> you know, cause there's just so out there. Um, but at the same time, there's something to be said sure. for those that, that really found a passion, you know, for the gentleman that just finished his 25th hard rock, right. you know, you kind of say it was, was, you know, two or three, not enough. <laughs> but at the same time, when, you know, when you go out and experience the loop, you can say, well, I can see how you could fall in love with this and, you know, want to do it year after year, especially since mm-hmm. the, the, you know, atmosphere around it is just so welcoming and so embracing. Um, so it, I can, I can totally see that Western States, same thing. You know, I can see you know, having experienced the crewing and well, the crewing side of it in 2019, it's, you know, yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, a, I think know, Western an States event and heavily, uh, you want to be a part for, of it for me, you know, you know so the ones I, I've experienced I, I probably the most too. and the so. most directly, it's far more about the community surrounding that race that keeps drawing me back. Right. Like I know, um, Ian, for example, is like, Western States is, is his thing, right? Like Leadville is his thing. He's, he's zoned in on 10 Leadville finishes, you know, I think I'm a little bit Mm -hmm. more 
on your end of the spectrum where I want to, ex- I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I experience Rocky Raccoon, Umstead, Old Dominion, how these events are all so close to each other. You know, I want to experience kind of all the classic American hundreds, <laughs> all the cool international races. How do you fit them all into one season yeah. without overdoing it? And then when it's, and that's, that's more the question for me, like, okay, how do I assemble the funds for going to Marathon de Sable? Yeah. How do you, yeah. you know, it's just like, I want to, I want to do all these cool races around the globe that have different footing, different settings. Um, that's more what it's, what it's all about yeah. is experiencing cool places around the globe. Yep. I'd like to um, also highlight a couple cool things. We talked about maybe touching on some awesome yes. current events yeah. that are going on in our sport. Before the call, we had first talked about um, the evolution of the Western States Golden Ticket Series. And and me and you being total fanboys of the sport, uh, we've been really excited to see the adaptations. And I I think it adds a greater breadth to how you can qualify (laughs) for Western States. Um, An interesting factor is that the top two finishers of UTMB will get Mm -hmm. invites to Western States this year. And... I, I wonder how many of those will take it. And if uh, one thing that I'm really excited about is that if Francois or the second place finisher at UTMB don't decide to take it, uh, my buddy, Matthew Blanchard, um, Canadian guy, um, he got third at UTMB. It was just like a huge evolution for him as an athlete. Um, I saw him second at Tarawera. We, we raced in the same race. We did the Tongariro crossing together in New Zealand when we raced Tarawera <laughs> got to know each other pretty well. And, I know that if one of those guys turns it down, Matthew is going to get to run his first Western States. So I'm really excited for him. Um, I thought that was one of the coolest moments of UTMB for me personally was seeing him do so well there. Um, So I I hope one of the guys turns it down. So it rolls to Matthew. I have a feeling Francois, you know, he's, he's run Western States a handful of times and, and I think he has probably other races on his mind. Um, Another, you know, key finish, I think at the UTMB series for me, the, the way I, I, I saw it was I was so impressed with uh, Emily Hoggard's like durability from Zimbabwe. You know, she ran three golden ticket races to get into Western States, finally getting in at Canyons. 300 Ks. Um, you know, I think she ended up seventh at Western States, uh, had a really good race, yeah. and turned around and was 10th at UTMB. Um, I'm super impressed by her. Um, you know, she was a athlete at College of Idaho. Matt Lay is was, a professor yeah. there. Um, and she, she was an NAI athlete that was kind of always like on the edge of making the top seven for the college of Idaho team. They were super quality program. I I think she probably made a few national championship meets like in the top seven, but I believe was more like an 18 minute, 18, 30 minute five care in college. So she's really found her knack for the sport. Um, Emily Hoggett was just, she's just someone I'm super impressed with this year. Um, I'm interested. That's cool. Hmm. I think she was just she on uh, Talk yeah. Ultra. I think uh, I think she just had an interview on Talk Ultra. Uh, is she on the uh, Astroterics team? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ian Corliss just uh, had an interview with her, which was great. So, if you guys um, look, what for, impressed you uh, most about one of the most recent this year? episodes? What, what were um, the with, highlights uh, Talk for you? Ultra? You'll find that. Oh, 
Yeah, Francois. I mean, coming off of Hard Rock and coming back and and winning UTMB in a you know such a, a amazing fashion because uh, those guys went out hard, you know, and and to see that he was you know able to sustain and then you know come out on top, it's just incredible um, that his just fortitude and. You know, I mean, from what he did at, at Hard Rock, let alone, I mean, that stands out as, you know, probably, the, well, it has to be the top performance just based on his course record. That's like amazing to to run faster in the counterclockwise direction and break right. the overall course record when the clockwise direction is the faster direction. So, I mean, and to break by two hours, that's insane. And it was killing his record. You know, that's, that's amazing. And so coming off a of hard rock and then coming back to an event like UTMB granted, you know, UTMB is, is a definitely a more runnable course, but still has the same amount of elevation gain as, as hard rock. You know, that's, I mean, that's, it was, that was a phenomenal performance. And then to see obviously Courtney come back, um, from her, you know, her GI distress yeah. issues at hard rock, but then to, to run the race she had at UTMB and to finish sixth overall. Um, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, and to, you know, to, to run the time she did, you know, uh, Rory's time was incredible and, you know, for her to, to break that, uh, that's just, you know, mm-hmm. especially with the year they had with the weather this, this time, I mean, you know, they were, they were told they had to have the winter kit, you know, in that 24 hour window. Um, and to have the night they did, you know, I mean, and, and Courtney was prepared for it. Um, you know, from what I hear, mm-hmm. you know, she had the glasses this time and, and they were doing the, the eye wash so that they didn't get the, uh, the, the, the snow blindness or the, uh, um, ultra eye blindness, I guess they call it. But yeah, the, I mean, you know, those were phenomenal. Um, just the both, the both winners like stood out as that's, you know, amazing performances. Um, you know, I, I mean, it was yeah. incredible also to see uh, the top five be French, yeah. um, you know, like the French nationality like that, that stood out as well. Like, you know, in the men's side, I, you know, I didn't expect to see that. So we had, you know, top five French and then, yeah, a, a German, I mean, and then Lu- Ludovic, like um, Ludo continued so to like, show like his you know, consistency the there as well. They, moving they well all day, the, the like prowess, having um, a good sense of humor along the route, like every time. He was in an aid station and you know there was a reporter there you're like wow ludo's just cracking jokes like so good at this distance you know all those guys just look so composed yeah it was, it was incredible to see um in the ccc i thought yeah. uh yeah. My, my boy chris brown had just such a great race moved up patiently all day and him and avery collins were kind of in the same neighborhood avery looks so stoked for his finish you know beast coaster migrated west um you know avery shout out to avery collins for sure yeah um i was really really impressed by abby yeah. hall's second place finish after you know <laughs> i know a disappointing western states like she went out there and just nailed yeah. it um that that was super cool to see in the cc um the tds you know we had some you know an unfortunate like passing of an athlete which uh, you know set the set the tone for the week just super hurting of course um Hayden Hawks around in the, the OCC, Absolutely. you know, probably another one of the top Americans like to get fifth and right. run 520. Aaron, I've run 553 on that course. And, and that's not easy to think about 520. It's nuts. 520 and fifth. That was the craziest thing. Like the record went down. And, um, so. okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially, you know, that, that close proximity to his finish at Western States, um, you know, that was, it, sure. it seemed that a lot of the Americans, uh, on the male side, 
sure. um, tended to have uh, a lot more difficulty, you know, with, uh, with coming back from, from Western. Um, but, um, you know, on the sure. women's side, um, not, you know, I can see I mean, here on the Western some, States golden um, ticket races, but it seems the women rebounded um, a lot on the better. official site now that Courtney and Camille Bruyas have accepted their entry. So Courtney's going to be racing Western States. It looks like next year and same with Camille, but it says men pending. So that'll be interesting to see who accepts. Oh, um, our next, I'm not sure. Awesome. I'm not sure how many days you have to let them know, um, within it, yeah. it, it has to be a pretty, do they have a title though? I, I would have do to imagine have the next event up we have in the golden ticket series. It, this is a pretty interesting one. And yeah. I think it's also been extended right. in terms of distance a bit is, uh, Templier. Um, so that'll be in France. And on October 24th, we've got our second golden ticket race coming up quickly. It's cool to see the international races. Oh, wow. Um, and the, the one following that being, uh, heavily in a hundred, hundred miler. Yeah. So this will be our first hundred yeah, mile golden yeah. ticket in quite a while. Absolutely. Rocky raccoon used to be a golden ticket race. So it's going to be really cool to see, um, people now be able to qualify again from the hundred mile distance. Uh, I've got total FOMO here that, you know, that, that I'm not on the heavily in a starting line this year, but it's, it's going to be cool to see, yeah. see it go down and be such a deep competitive race. <laughs> the list, the start list just looks crazy. Um, in addition to Black Canyon, the Canyons yeah. and Bandera, which are usually golden ticket races, we also have Tarawera, the 100K. So that'll be our third opportunity for international athletes to qualify for um, for Western states. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we tend to get a lot of American athletes going over there that time of the year to run Tarawera, but um, hopefully we get some other international entries as well. So the, this series just looks super cool. Um, I like I like the way it's evolved a little bit. I really like that you yeah. have to run at least 100K to qualify for Western States. I, I think it's a good evolution. I would even like to see more 100 milers, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it, seems, it seems right that you should run 100 to, to get in there. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes I, and, and this is just personal feeling is that, yeah. you know, if you're going to run your first hundred as Western, that just, it doesn't feel right, <laughs> you know, to me. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's luck of the draw, you know, I get that, but um, it almost feels like you should have to have a, a hundred mile experience and, and maybe that would limit the field a little bit more, you know, or not limit the field, but limit the uh, capacity of the lottery. Yeah. Um, I, I like that they're quite yeah, early, yeah. like but, UTMB uh, but, and no, Adelina same being time, quite you know, early. You can only run so many hundreds. From so I get that as well. Proof but, in the pudding kind of shows that you can run those events and do really well at Western the next year. Right. You got plenty if, of time. If you were to look at, yeah, for example, like Devin Yanko, myself, um, you know, there's plenty of turnaround time between October, Havelina, um, all the way to the summer. Um, race that Hal Kerner's run and done really well at and done well at States. Um, you know, Zach Bitter is another example of a guy that's done well there yeah. and then done well at States the following year. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of athletes, you know, like Casey, for example, nailing Havelina, plenty of turnaround time to take some rest and build back into the season. So I, I think Havelina is an excellent decision. It also gives you a good idea of who are good, yeah. which runners are good heat runners. <laughs> if you can run well at Havelina, you can develop the, um, the ability to climb and descend with a little bit more technicality, yeah, a little yeah. bit more single track and, and run well at States. I think proof is in the pudding there for sure. 
Um, other current events, um, I'm really intrigued yeah. and interested to see where the career of uh, Alexander Sorokin goes. Um, the Lithuanian man who broke Zach Bitter's record just and Jonas Kouris's record all within the past six months. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating to look at and it and say Jonas he's run eleven fourteen for a hundred miles now. <laughs> yeah. He's won Spartathlon. He's won the twenty four hour world championships and now he ran three hundred and eight kilometers um to best uh, Giannis Kouris's 24 hour world record. I mean, we're talking 192.x miles. Um, you know, that record, I think, was something people looked at and said, wow, th- this may never get broken. <laughs> and it's it's fascinating to see that within a six month period, eight month period, like he, he's broke both of the kind of like unreachable records. Um, Right. Yes, absolutely. That's going to be, he is, he's going to be someone to watch and, you know, it, I mean, I don't know his background um, prior to, to this, but I mean, you know, those records, especially the uh, 24 hour record, you know, I think that one was the one that everybody was like, um, who, you know, who's going to be able to touch that. I mean, we had um, Tiger. Um, it's the young man that went after the, uh, the treadmill record. And then he tried to do the uh, 24 hour um, Taggart, thank you. Yeah, Taggart. Um, yeah, he, he was going to go after it and he still may. Um, but, um, I think he realized he needed something a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. a smaller event, if you will. Um, cause I think he tried to do it in six days in the dome and, uh, it, it was just too many people for him to pass and, and, you know, move around. So I think he's looking for smaller numbers to try to do something like that. But, um, you know, he, I mean, he's obviously has the, the capacity to, you know, to, to win or to set the treadmill record, it would be interesting to see what he could do with the overall hundred mile record. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's um, incredible. And then perhaps you know, the 24 to, hour record, but to, know, this, to relate to it is a little Lithuania difficult just, you know, having run <laughs> oh my gosh, 12, 21 for a hundred miles to think about 11, 14 is unbelievable. And having, you know, having crawled to one thirty in 24 hours to look at 192 is kind of like, wow. I mean, that's an incredible number of miles within a 24 hour period. You know, we're, we're talking about your first 200 and we're looking at this guy and we're like, wow, yeah. he, he almost covered 200 in four. I mean, it, it's yeah. really hard to believe that he averaged. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're talking his average yeah. was in 24 hours. <laughs> no, nine, 96, you know, he, he averaged 96 um, for each of his 12 hours. I mean, Yes, incredible. It's un- unbelievable to think about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the other East Coast race that I'm looking forward to is going to be uh, JFK. Um, that that field is going to be. Uh, I have you know some some locals here in Western North Carolina that are going, um, and uh, you know it's just the. I think the entry list is, is going to be fun to, to watch what happens at JFK. Um, I think uh, a lot of times that race gets overlooked, um, and, but it does draw such a great elite field. And, uh, you know, whereas, you know, it's not 
obviously the fastest course, you know, Tunnel Hill is, is definitely faster, but it definitely draws a great field as well. Um, so I look forward to seeing what happens at JFK this year. Um, not that, you know, if we don't see a course record, it's still going to be a, definitely. a real competitive race. And, and yeah, it's, you know, it's such think, a good blend like said, of the technicality field is um, be, um, and flatter running to see. So yeah, technicality of the, um, uh, yeah, a lot of runners outside of our region aren't particularly used to as well, Aaron, you know, like, the Appalachian trail section is, is not the smoothest and it, I think takes some people by surprise. Um, and you also right. need yep. insane leg speed to do well on that tow path. Right. I mean, we've had, we've had guys run, you know, 232, 234 on the men's side, like in the marathon in the middle of JFK. So you, you yeah. need to be quite fast. Yep. Um, that's after you have you know, 19 miles in your legs too. So yeah. But yeah. I think that we now have uh, no North Face 50 for now. Um, <laughs> it's going it to be that's kind of incredible. one of the more marquee events that time of the year in November. You know, a lot of the international races are starting to kind of wind down. Um, there's going to be maybe a little bit more focus there, a little bit more focus on Tunnel Hill, uh, a little bit more focus on Haviland 100 now, especially that it's a golden ticket race. And I think this is going to be a great year to see what goes down yeah. at Desert Solstice too. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the flat, flat sure. stuff, flat non-technical stuff. And, um, I'm definitely looking my chops to see like, you know, yeah. who requalifies for the team. Uh, we've got a few dogs in the yeah. fight and in my you know coaching program and Jake Jackson is just such a stud at the 24 hour distance. It was, it's going to be yeah. really cool to see what Jake does in, in December at desert solstice among others that are just prolifically consistent, like Nick Curry, uh, you know, Bob Hearns on quite a run after his strolling gym and, It'll be really interesting to see, yeah, can can Bob get that mark that's required for the team? He's missed by such narrow margins in the past. Um, I'm excited to see who else goes back to the 24-hour distance. You know, does does Courtney take another shot um, at Desert Solstice and hopes to get back on the team? Um, I, I think the 24-hour discipline is just just so interesting, and it'll, it'll be cool to see what kind of big marks we get at Desert Solstice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it will be. Um, you know, our, our U.S. team is, has always been uh, quite strong, but to see who will, you know, who's the young guns that are coming up and, um, you know, will there be a, a change of the guard? Um, you know, we've had a, we've had a, you know, a, a number of the gentlemen that have been repeat, um, team members. Um, so will we get some, some new members on there and, you know, who's going to make a name for themselves at, at desert solstice. And then what will the rest of the, the season look like for that qualifying period? Um, you know, what will we see if, if things don't go according to plan for some of the, uh, the former team members, what, you know, what, where will they go and where will they try to qualify and, and how much will they try to get? You know, it, it's, it's, it's getting amazing to see. Yeah. It's you know, unbelievable that, to think it's, about it's that. Like, like a, you know, 157 miles, you know, just, uh, it might not cut. I wouldn't bet anymore. against Olivier, right? <laughs> you know, Olivia like, that's incredible to think to, about. To requalify. <laughs> and, I, and I feel similar about Jake. I feel similar about Nick Curry in terms of um, his consistency <laughs> at that discipline. Right. But what is going to be the mark? You know, does it take 165 on the men's team? Does it take 155 plus on the women's team to qualify from now on? Um, I, I think, I think with just more runners um, getting involved in the sport, more high level athletes, yeah. we're seeing people become really focused on a particular discipline. Like, okay, this is my avenue. You know, and and that's that's the trajectory. Like, 
you know, I, I personally seen myself on too, Aaron is just like, I want to become a little bit more focused on what I know I'm super good at, you know, like yeah. flatter, more runnable stuff. Um, and, and I think, I think that just increases the breadth of our sport and increases sort of like yeah. the general respect for the different categories of ultra running, <laughs> you know, there are so many different avenues you could take the more of us that are focusing on events within our speciality and not just reaching for one particular event. Everybody's trying to get in one event. I I think that'll, um, that'll diversify the sport even more. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, there's so many different, like you said, so many formats now, you know, we've got the, the backyard formats that are exploding. Um, you know, obviously the, the 24 hour, um, and then we, you know, obviously have mountain ultra, we have, um, you know, more faster, flatter, just, you know, hundred mile races. It's just, it seems a, uh, um, the growth of the sport has encouraged creativity into the format of the event, um, which is really cool. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I came from a day where it was just, you know, you signed up for a, a trail race and it, it wasn't really thought as to, you know, what type of training went into it. Now it's, you know, we're getting very specific, especially at the elite level as to, you know, people specializing like Francois obviously is, you know, a dominant mountain racer. Um, whereas, um, you know, Wamsley, he has success at moderately, mountain races, you know, but hasn't quite pulled off the success at those, you know, truly mountain races. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to define Jim sure. as, you know, one type of runner, but, you know, we're seeing success come, uh, in these, in, you know, more specific style of events. Um, yeah. so, and then, and people are finding that niche. Um, but it is cool to see the athletes that do have the range. Totally. You know, That's the a big range, that right? Like he also has that, the, you know, the marathon do, on the uh, low end, the project carbon on the low end. Um, and then come back and, and maybe he's seeing like that he's more and, similar to, um, to like Max yeah. King than he is to yeah. Francois at, or maybe he right. commits yeah. himself, yeah. you know, totally to UTMB and just goes there and runs 1930 though. <laughs> and, and that's mm-hmm. possible too, right? Like, I think it's just difficult to, um, to nail Western and come back to nail, nail UTMB. And, and that's what I would love to see. Yeah. That's, I would love to see that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Those are two very, you know, different races. Um, and they are two, um, ever they're in close in proximity. So it's, it's a really tough turnaround okay. because, you know, as you, we were talking about earlier, the specificity that goes into training for Western is quite different than what you would need for, for uh, UTMB. So, I mean, the leg turnover is, you know, going to be a lot more for Western, whereas you need a lot more climbing legs for, for UTMB. Not that you don't need some climbing legs for, for Western, but you know, they're, yeah. they're a little bit further apart on the training spectrum, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I think you're right. It's, you know, you really have to focus on one or the other, you know, it's, you know, focus on Western to, you know, to, especially at Jim's level to compete for the win there or focus on, on, uh, cause I mean, Francois obviously coming off hard rock, that's, quite specific. And if, if we look at Francois training leading up to hard rock, 
he really just went there, I think maybe two months prior to really start his run centric training, you know, and then train specifically yeah. for hard rock. So he didn't have a massive running buildup for hard rock, which I think allowed him to continue his fitness up into UTMB because it was kind of a nice continuum. Whereas Jim, That's unfortunately, a transition, his, his train especially block when you're coming off of like Western, and then he kind of had hour to switch gears and try to you know, train up January, for UTMB. Right? Like we're talking. That's a hard transition. Well, Francois was you know, skiing the whole year, like, you know, Jim's kind of coming off of a big period of running and yeah. probably pretty similar with Tim Tolson too, where like he probably ran a lot more in the winter time compared to Francois as well. Like I know he does some schema yeah. too, but um, it, it's just difficult to come back and, and nail those two. That double is difficult. Um, we've seen very few athletes pull it off um, with great success. You know, even, even the years where if you consider like, okay, yeah. Jim, Jim nail, you know, Jim, Jim was fifth there, right. Uh, his first go, yeah. but his yeah. States wasn't great. Remember like he, I believe that year, uh, that was his wrong turn year. Right. And, and even yeah. Courtney, the first time she won, she had that unfortunate DNF at States. So there was, there was kind of like, we, we okay. haven't seen an athlete at the very highest yep. level for a while, like win both. Um, has there ever been? I'm, I'm yep. not sure. Maybe the year that Killian won, Killian won both. So, right. Yeah. We have to look back. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I For couldn't sure. tell you. I'm glad we got to do but, some current events man. here at the end. It, it's well, nice. I mean, know, the sport's in a great place. Today was fun to, to chat yeah, all sorts to of different about concepts what's going to happen. And I really future, enjoyed so. uh, going uh, back and forth and, uh, and discussing yeah. all sorts of cool things going Absolutely. on in the sport. Yeah. Well, thanks, Pat. I really appreciate your time here, buddy. And thanks for sharing everything. I'm sure everybody listening really appreciates you. And thanks, buddy. obviously wishes you mm-hmm. extreme well in, in the future and in, uh, in Tunnel Hill and, uh, you know, whatever uh, 2022 may bring for you. So thanks, buddy. I'd like to once again thank Patrick for coming on the podcast and sharing uh, not only his time, his knowledge, uh, just um, – you know, being a, a great ambassador um, for the sport, um, he really does try to um, educate, share, um, and uh, and make the running world a, a better place, uh, <laughs> as cliche as that sounds. Um, but I really enjoy working with Patrick um, as a coach, um, as a friend. Uh, he's just a genuinely good person. So uh, thank you, Patrick, again for everything. And um, good luck this fall and everything you're doing. Um, and for uh, for here, um, Labor Day kind of threw a monkey wrench into my plans to get the newsletter out, so I'm a little bit behind on that. My apologies. But the newsletter will be coming out, uh, the September monthly newsletter. Uh, you can subscribe at mrrunningpains.com if you're interested. And it has all sorts of tips and reviews and um, you know <laughs> stories, everything. Uh, I try to pour a lot into the newsletter, so... Uh, that is to come. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, got a great podcast coming up. Um, it, uh, it involves uh, one of my athletes, Mercedes. She just finished fifth female at the Lake Sonoma 50 miler. Uh, very proud of her and uh, look forward to that conversation and hearing about her journey and what she's been learning. And uh, just she's a fantastic human being. Um, and uh, she crewed me at. Um, uh, hard rock 
she was one of my crew members so i got to know her a lot better there and uh just a really awesome person i spent the day running around cheering for her boyfriend morgan elliott at the ragged mountain 50k so um she's she's just awesome so look forward to that conversation with her that'll be next week's episode um also uh, just a reminder uh, the hellbender 100 mile race uh we now have a podcast so um should be available on all listening platforms if you want to subscribe to the hellbender 100 race um podcast and uh i just released podcast episode number two this past saturday um with the north carolina high peaks um association jake blood was uh, my interviewee and we talked about what they do to uh to help maintain and keep the trails open for much of the hellbender course so um hope you have a listen there also a uh, facebook page um, there is a new facebook page for the hellbender 100 um, as well as an instagram account uh, registration will open November 1st for the race, uh, with a race date of May 6th and 7th of 2022, starting at Camp Greer. So, uh, again, you know, tune into the podcast, uh, lots of updates and great interviews there. We're going to release that twice a month, the first and third Saturday of each month. So please subscribe to that, um, as well as, um, like, and follow the, uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts. So, um, you know, things are moving along there, which is tremendous, and I'm glad to be back a part of it. So, um, other news, um, coaching, um, I, I will have a lot of athletes kind of finishing up their goal events, so I should have some spots opening up. If you're looking for um, coaching within the next few months, perhaps for even a, a 2020 um, race, uh, or even just to have a conversation to see if coaching is right for you. Um, happy to have that conversation. Uh, again, my contact will be in the show notes. Um, and you know, if you want to learn more about my coaching services philosophy, it is all on my website, mrrunningpains.com. So please visit there. My contacts also on the website. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening, for being a part of this. I couldn't do it without you guys. You guys give me the motivation to, to bring on some awesome guests and, and have these interviews and try to, um, learn something more from our great sport and become better runners and better people. So thank you, my friends. I hope you enjoy and keep running.